It's a Know Your Enemy episode, and there is no Locked On Vanderbilt podcast, but we have Brad Logan instead. Stick around. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also, we are making our final push towards 5,000 subscribers. Man, that is a huge landmark, 5,000 subscribers. But we have stuff planned for 5,000, 6,000, and 7,000. If you have not, please subscribe down below. And if you have, please tell a friend. Because if we grow this by one person telling one person at a time, this is something that Ole Miss football and Ole Miss sports has not seen. So that is where we're at. Anyway, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. And we're going to be joined by Brad Logan in just a second. But I do want to let you know these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Ole Miss takes on Vanderbilt this weekend. We talk some big picture stuff, a lot of big picture stuff, to be honest. And we talk a little bit Vanderbilt as well and why I'm the president of the Ken Seals fan club. Anyway, Brad Logan from Inside the Rebels, Red and Blue Crew podcast, Believe in Ole Miss podcast, all over North Mississippi high school voice, Brad Logan. Let's go. So Brad Logan from Inside the Rebels, Red and Blue Poop Crew podcast, the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, the Max South voice of North Mississippi high school football is joining us for our crossover today because there is no locked on Vandy. We're going to talk about Vandy. This is a Know Your Episode edition. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but we're also going to do some big picture type stuff because Brad has that knowledge that of somebody that I can really get into the weeds with that on. How you doing, Brad? Doing well. Excited about uh, a bit of a crossover here. This will air also on our podcast platforms as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, excited about uh, talking with you today. I've had a chance to listen to a lot of the the shows that you've put out. And, and what I like about it is each show will target a specific demographic, whether it be on offense or defense. And and I know we'll talk a lot about that today. Um, what I think more than anything is is this team is is five and one and two and one in the conference. And I didn't they're, expect him to be that. They're this six summer. and one. Six and they're one, six. I'm sorry. Six and one, <laughs> two and one in the conference. And uh, you know, nobody's talking about bowl eligibility, obviously, because mm. you know, they've only got one loss. I tweeted out a graphic last night. Lane Kiffin is number three behind Johnny Vault and some dude from nineteen oh eight in winning percentage as the current head coach. I only expect that to go up. He'll 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 bypass um that dude from nineteen oh eight and it'll be uh, him and Coach Vault. The question is, is how long does he stay? Because Coach Vault's roughly seventy four percent. Lane's already at sixty eight. Uh, close to 69%. So that's that's a different place than Ole Miss coaches have been. David Cutcliffe, um, you know, Tommy Tuberville, Houston Nutt, all of those coaches had success, and maybe I'm, I'm missing somebody, but they never had this type of success. And they never had the type of road success at night in the SEC that Lane has had. I mean, he's 72% uh, 
Um, everybody else is below 50% on the road at night in the SEC. Those are – now, I admit I'm a nerd with numbers, and I get all that. But still, though, those that, those numbers jump. And, and that just goes to show you where this program is in 2023 from where it's been in, in the past. And, by the way, Hugh Freeze also has a really good percentage at Ole Miss, but not as good as Lane. Yeah, because if you think about like Hugh Freeze when he got to Ole Miss, he went six and six. He went seven and five, and then he went um, nine and three or something. He went seven, eight, and nine wins back to back before he got to his access ball. So you know Lane Kiffin did have that COVID year where he finished five and five, but after that it's ten wins. Last year was eight and five, and if it wasn't, you can never convince me if the Auburn stuff didn't happen and all the stuff came down on the football team that team doesn't at least win one more game and win nine. And this year's team is honestly feeling like if Ole Miss goes less than 10 and two, it's just a meh type season. I mean, for it to be considered a good year, 10 and two seems to be the minimal. I, you know, and once again, I'll go back to what you said on an earlier Mm -hmm. show. You, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt the same way. At least I thought this, and maybe you, Mm -hmm. you said something that at least made me think this, that I, I think I put too much stock into what, he was able to do on offense and defense versus what he was able to do. And, and I expected Ole Miss to go to Auburn and lose the game. That's what I picked it. Uh, that's what I picked this summer. Now, obviously that changed a lot when we saw how poor they were playing on offense. So I, I'm not at all surprised that Ole Miss won the game. Uh, but, but I did feel a little uneasy that Ole Miss would have much more of a problem. And they, they, they had some issues in Auburn, but they won the game. That's all that matters. But you said something – I think what you said is you said, I believe Ole Miss has a better chance of losing this game. If they win this game, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go 11-1. and I'd be more surprised uh, in one way or the other. I forget how you worded it. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, Ole Miss has a chance to go to 11-1. and And I've said all along, and people, once again, people call me all sorts of things, so whatever, get your guns out. I think Ole Miss had a better chance, I said before, of winning at at Georgia than they did at Auburn. I think if Ole Miss plays a complete game at Georgia, they absolutely can win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some things that have to happen. But Ole Miss, w- what I told David uh, Johnson the other day, the difference between a good team and a great team is the good teams play – or the good teams win when they don't play well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's making Ole Miss a great team right now. You know, and, and one thing that honestly – nobody's talking about, or at least nobody is talking about this way, except very few people is this is the most talented football team that has existed in Ole Miss in my lifetime. I'm nearly 50 years old, which means I was not in the coach vault era before anybody sends in the emails. But if you look at the talent that has been accumulated on both sides of the ball, Ole Miss just went to Auburn and completely out talented that football team to where Ole Miss played as sloppy of a first half as they could, and that would have absolutely doomed previous Ole Miss teams, including the one that can't went in there in 2021 with Matt Corral. They fell behind and ended up losing that game, even though they were a favorite. I, I think this transfer portal situation, and I, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on this one. Everybody's going to say, can you recruit the transfer portal? Can you be heavy on the transfer portal? And my, my thought is right now, if you don't have an established quarterback, no, you probably can't do it. That We saw that last year. Whenever adversity hit, they went down pretty quick. But after with an entrenched Jackson Dart, and in that, 
all of a sudden, this team in the fourth quarter looks like every other chemistry team that we've known throughout our lives in college football. So the transfer portal is a viable avenue for recruiting as long as you have that quarterback position. Okay, two really good questions that, that I think Ole Miss fans would, would are thinking to themselves right now and they're answering in their mind. I'm going to answer on behalf of me. Number one, you said this is the most talented team you've seen in your lifetime. You and I are about the same age. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say there are two teams that I would like for you to think about. Okay. Now, 2008, the team that went to Florida and beat Tim Tebow. Now, I know mm-hmm. they lost some games early, but I truly believe that I had Houston on the podcast, and he said, at the end of the year, I think that team is playing as better as, as good as any team in the country. So, from a talent standpoint, Jevin Sneedy, quarterback, Destry McCluster, Greg Hardy. I mean, that team was stacked. So, I, I would I would say that may be number one. I don't think 2003 is number one. I think this team is better than mm-hmm. 2003. I know it had Eli, but but defensively, this team is better than 03. And then you can go back and talk about some of Tommy Tuberville's teams. Mm-hmm. I think from a talent standpoint, this team this year – is more talented than those teams. And then you talk about 2015 with Hugh Freeze. Defensively, I'll put this team against 2015 all day. So um, the only the only objection I would have is maybe 2008 may have more talent, but this team obviously is going to finish with a much better record, I think, by the end of the year. Now, point two, during the Monday press conference, Jake Thompson and Neil McCready both talked about the transfer portal. And here's what they said. And I thought it was pretty good. Jake talked mm-hmm. about the portal, asking a question about players that have taken a step forward. Then Neil came back and asked the question, how much do you guys evaluate character, mm-hmm. discipline, and that sort of thing? And Lane very quickly came back and says, immediately, yes, mm-hmm. is a huge deal. And I think Ole Miss has been such at the forefront of the transfer portal that they've been able to galvanize their particular transfer portal process so they're not necessarily going after that particular player that's dealing with issues. They're diving into how that particular player is entering the portal. How are they grade-wise? Uh, how are they discipline-wise? How are they in regards to cohesiveness with a team? And there's no doubt that Lane Kiffin, Pete Golding, Charlie Weiss Jr., the remainder of this coaching staff, are putting a lot of stock in the type of player they're bringing in. Yes. And okay, the 2018, I would agree that the first 11 on both sides of the ball might be superior to what we see this year. But the difference is going to be on the second and third string, because if you remember, once you got past the starters, there was a drop off on that team. So I do mean in the totality, not just the starting 11 that's on the field. And as far as the transfer portal goes, because Lane Kiffin has been at the forefront of this, the landmines and roadblocks that he's going to have to deal with, he's he's figuring this out real time. The stuff that other schools are eventually going to have to figure out, he's he's ahead of it. The the you know, for lack of a better things, the Michael Triggs, the Chris Marshalls, those type players, you realize that hey, just because a player has extreme talent, maybe it's not the best situation that we bring him in. Let's bring in a bunch of very good players to kind of supplement what we're doing in the high school recruiting and let's build up this base because everybody talks about the blue chip ratio. I think the blue chip ratio right now at its whole in 2018 probably made sense. But today 
you can't really do that because it was built off the idea that if you got four and five star players, if you had the most of them, you could win a national championship. But now that the transfer portal is coming in and basically the G5 has become a minor league of sorts for these power five teams, Trey Harris was a low three-star player um, from Lafayette, Louisiana. I think that he is potentially, potentially everybody, just before you blow up my comments, um, the best receiver in the SEC this year because he's played four years. He's averaging, I mean, played four games. He's averaging five catches a game, about 120 yards a game, and a touchdown and a half a game. That that That's what Trey Harris is doing this year. Malik Neighbors, all those guys, I get it. But those type of players, whenever people were doing the blue chip ratio, didn't necessarily fit in to what they were tabulating. Yeah, he's playing Sunday football. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's playing his way into the National Football League. The one player that, that Ole Miss was not able to land that I think everybody's kind of circling is Keon Coleman. That, that That's still one component in this offense that Ole Miss is really needing. And I think they're really needing it now because of the injury to uh, – to, uh, Jordan Watkins and and now he, he he's going to play but but Lane admitted he's going to play sparingly there's only so much you can do and I think they were forced to put him in uh, after Ole Miss fumbled the punt they was able to land back on it with Dayton Wade and and then Lane even admitted that Dayton Wade had to actually get an IV because he was uh you know pretty much spent he didn't come off the field very much I tell you one disappointing thing for me Stephen is that Ole Miss has not got very good depth they do not have very good depth at the wide receiver position. And not being able to talk, not being able to have Braylon Brown come in and give significant snaps, not being able to have Aiden Williams come in and give significant snaps. I think that could be problematic the next couple of weeks. You know, whenever we come back, we'll we'll address that a little bit because I don't know if it's a depth problem at wide receiver as much as it is a favorite problem by Lane Kiffin and wanting to use Trey Harris and then moving him to slot means you had new position players at multiple positions, and that kind of messed up the chemistry of your unit. But we'll talk about that in just a second. But today, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. You know, Prize Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize Pick offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this season. Go to prizepicks.com/lockedoncollege and use promo code lockedoncollege for a first deposit matchup to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com/lockedoncollege and use code lockedoncollege for a first deposit matchup of up to a hundred bucks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Also, I want to tell you about LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be a hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right team, right people for your team faster and for free. We all know how to create a social media profile. We're 20 years in at this point. We've done Facebook profiles, X or Twitter or whatever that's called now, profiles, all of these things. LinkedIn is no different. So go there and create your profile. Then add your purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile and you can spread the word that you are in fact hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience to quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Listen. 
when you hire the right football coach for your football program, all of a sudden you have playoff aspirations and everything goes well. But if you have the wrong one, hire him, you'll end up be do doing this three years later. So hiring the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. Because if you hire the wrong one, you might be doing this in three weeks, not three years. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. College football season is here. And around uh, and this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff live every Friday. We go live at 11 a.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel, including this one, um, for College Football Kickoff Live. It covers playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and it goes in depth like only Locked On can, including the insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You will not want to miss this. All right. So we're talking big picture stuff, and we have Brad and Logan here joining us um, talking about all of that. And we're going to talk about Vandy today, I, I guarantee it. That's going to happen. But I want to answer, Brad mentioned before the break, the depth at wide receiver. And I don't know if depth at wide receiver is as much of a problem staff preference at wide receiver in a situation Lane Kiffin if he has a healthy Trey Harris and I and by the way I do not blame him for this um he's going to move him in a position to best affect the game so Jordan Watkins gets injured at slot so the first question is who comes in and takes over the slot position you know Dayton Wade has had a really good year he has a body type that profiles for that position Zachary Franklin obviously had a good week of um, practice, he ended up on the field. But Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss Jr. decided to move Trey Harris, who I think is a dominant force on the outside. And even in the Auburn game, his big fade play that he that he broke down the Auburn defense was on a play that they moved him outside. But they chose to move him into the slot position, a position that he is not comfortable necessarily doing. So I, th I, th I think this might be more of a staff preference type deal than a wide receiver type deal. Yeah, David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger asked Lane that the first question and said, "What was the decision process in in, in bringing Trey Harris into the slot?" And he, he immediately said, "You're exactly right, Stephen. It was a staff decision. It was a game planning decision. He didn't go into a lot of detail, but anyone that watches Trey Harris understands that he is a much more physical blocker." Uh, he's a better route runner than Dayton Wade, although I'm not taking anything away from Dayton Wade. But Trey Harris is a much more complete receiver. And I think they had more trust in him. And it was a simple game plan. It was it was it was that was the decision that Lane made. And, and I'm sure he had, you know, his offensive staff uh, kind of looked at the, the, the body of work. I think we'll just have to agree to disagree. I think depth is going to play a bigger uh, a bigger piece of the puzzle against A&M. And of course, Georgia and then Mississippi State. So we'll see. Um, I just think it's a problem that, that that we haven't seen the other receivers. I don't think that's by choice. I don't think that's by design. I think it's just because they don't have trust in the receivers, including Caden Lee, the freshman. We saw him a little bit early. So I think, and then I'll give you, 
I'll come back to your side a little bit and say that I do believe that Caden Prescorn being a viable tight end, being someone that is essentially, Stephen, a slot receiver. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he blocks well, mm-hmm. and he has really helped in that running game. But they can line him up as a quasi-slot like they did with Dawson Knox and with Evan Ingram. So I think he kind of checks some boxes of the wide receiver room that I don't think we're – and I say me, are giving enough credit. So I think that's one reason we haven't seen a ton of the other guys come into the game. But I think it's mainly is they just – I'm not going to say they don't trust them, but I think they feel more comfortable, obviously, with, you know, with, with Dayton Wade and, and the rest of the crew with Trey, with Trey Hare. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens against Vanderbilt. I want to see here's – what, here's what I'm looking at. And I, I'm looking to see who are they going to try and trust against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, a team that's kind of struggled this year, that's not playing well, and, and, and Ole Miss should get out to an early lead. Is this going to be a, a, a somewhat of a and – and, again, I'm not saying anything negative towards Vanderbilt. Is this a preseason-type game to get ready for the stretch run of A&M, Mississippi State, and, of course, at Georgia? Is this a game to where you can try to get some younger receivers in there, some veteran receivers to see – Hey, is there anybody out there that wants to play receiver that could step up for us in a big situation? That's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, I, I think this is the game that you force feeds to Corey Franklin. And the interception that happened was a timing issue because they're the, the yeah, receiver and the fault. quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just happened. There was an overthrow on the sideline that was just a, a, another thing. There was just a little bit, they weren't a cohesive unit. I think that Zachary Franklin and Jackson Dart, I think. Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss Jr. are going to really almost force feed Sakari in this game because they need him ready for AM. They need him yeah. ready for Georgia. So I think this is the game to do that. Yeah. And, and against, gosh, what game was it? Earlier this year, uh, we were watching him in warmups and someone said he had a bit of a natural limp to the right side. Now, this was a much more progressive. And I was talking with someone on the sideline that would know, and they, and, and they said it was more of a, a progressive. So I think he still was a little injured. He didn't look like he was limping at all at at, at Auburn. He looked um, smooth. He he did, and it looked mm-hmm. like he was he was more comfortable running routes. They looked a little bit to be a little more crisp. Look, Dart, and we'll get into this if you want, but but Dart did not have his best game at quarterback. I don't think you know anyone outside of maybe Cedric Johnson, Santarian Perkins, uh, maybe Ulysses Bentley, maybe. Uh, Quinshawn Junkins played particularly well. Um, I'm not going to say he played bad, but I, I think we've seen Jackson play much better than he did. But once again, the good news, you win the game. You can get ready for the other games down the stretch. I thought Franklin had a great game. And what I what I like to see is, is I think he looked healthy to me. Mm-hmm. He, he was running, like I said, he was running. He was getting separation. That's the key for me. It, when I when, when a wide receiver comes into the game, are they able to get separation from the defender? And that's one problem that Braylon Brown, Caden Lee, and 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 Aiden Williams to me is more of a route. It's, it's more of a knowledge of the system type deal. Yeah, he's a Braylon fresh. Brown knows the system. He's not getting separation from the from the defensive backs, and that's why he's not playing, in my opinion. Zakari was getting that separation. He was getting open. Jackson just wasn't hitting him. So I think that's good news that he he appears fully healthy. Yeah, and, and if you in my personal pre- preference, I wouldn't have moved Trey Harris into the slot. I would have moved Zakari into the slot, left Trey back on the outside, maybe Dayton Wade on the outside on the on the other way, and kind of get going. But hey, this trip to Auburn was a hundred times better than the twenty twenty one trip. 
because everybody remembers Matt Corral getting hurt and Ole Miss not having any wide receivers. We were depending on a five foot five wide receiver that night for people that remember what's going on there. So when we come back, we will talk um, about Jackson Dart's night and the Ole Miss defense is key, as a key versus the Vanderbilt offense. And, and don't laugh. It, it really is. We will make sense, I promise. But first, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Also, just to let you know, the Rebels play the Vanderbilt Commodore Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. If you're not in Mississippi, you don't have access to Super Talk. You can listen to the soothing sounds of David Kellum and the Rebels' hometown crew as Ole Miss looks to continue their run. Catch every play of the Rebels' home team broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 190 or in the SXM app, searching Ole Miss Rebels. Also, the Locked On Ole Miss podcast is there as well. So, Brad, you have a situation. Jackson Dart, like you said, did not have his best game. He did not have a bad game. But on a show earlier in the week, I talked about how clutch Jackson Dart was. And I mm-hmm. saw in that Auburn game, Two of the best passes that I've seen an Ole Miss yes. quarterback throw since Jevin Sneed. One of those and, to, was to Caden Priest going down the yes. sideline. Yeah, yeah. He, he 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 honestly had no choice but to catch it because he literally put it into his pocket. He didn't even have to reach for it. It yeah. was amazing. And then the pass to Trey Harris, and mm-hmm. both of those were key moments and to get Ole Miss their separation and to close out that game. Jackson Dart, in my opinion, is overlooked. Whenever you look at the draft grades coming out, there's like top 20s that Jackson Dart does not appear on at the moment. And that that makes no sense to me. Because if Jackson Dart comes back for his senior year and plays one more year, he'll be the leading all-time passer, the leading all-time total offense man, and a top 10 Ole Miss career rushing as a quarterback and the top quarterback at rushing. We're talking about a Mount Rushmore GOAT type thing and having number two in the rafters. And, uh, you know, we don't have to go too far back in history to talk about how good quarterback play has been at Ole Miss. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Hugh Freeze always had a good quarterback. And, you know, we love Bo Wallace. We love Chad Kelly. And those guys are in the record books. But what we're talking about now is is a situation where you're talking about numbers that, I mean, may not be able to be, you know, eclipsed in our lifetime. I mean, what Jackson Dart is doing in this offense, and this is a run-heavy offense. I mean, this is an offense that Lane Kiffin himself admitted that they want to be able to run the football first. So one of the best quarterbacks to come through, Matt Corral, is in the record books and, you know, playing the NFL, and and Chad Kelly's doing crazy things right now in the in the CFL. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a bit uh, just blown away at, at, at the numbers that Jackson Dart has put up. And then you talk about the throws that he makes when he doesn't particularly play well. And and I think we've put that on him because he played so good earlier in the year. He played so good at Tulane, and he played so good against Georgia Tech when the team was not playing as well. He put that literally on his shoulders and willed Ole Miss to win. He willed Ole Miss to win in New Orleans. I mean, it was all him. And 
by playing so well, if he has maybe not as good a game, people are saying he played a bad game. And, I, and you'll never hear me say that he played a bad game at Auburn. No. He just didn't play as good as we've seen him play. But I think if he continues to do what he does, and and for what from what I've seen, I don't expect it to change. If he continues to put the slot machine numbers up against Vanderbilt and then play well against A&M, all eyes of the college football world are going to be watching that Georgia Ole Miss game. That's when you make your money. That's when you decide, I'm going to take care of business today. That's when Jevin Sneed made his mark on Ole Miss history was in 2008 on the road in Baton Rouge when he lit up LSU. That's when everybody was like, oh, Jevin Sneed, remember him? Played at Texas, came to Ole Miss. Never mind what he did the earlier part of the year. Never mind what happened, all those great passes to Shea Hodge. Never mind all those those great runs that he made earlier in the year uh, against Florida, against Auburn. No, they're only remembering what they saw in front of their face. That's why the Georgia game is so big from a personnel standpoint for Jackson Dart, for Quinshawn Jenkins, for Ulysses Bentley, and for players like Cedric Johnson, Ukwu, Isaac Ukwu on defense. If you can really step up in a game like that, a big SEC game, and from a personal standpoint, not necessarily have to win the game, but if you play well, that's when people at the NFL, that's when they perk up. The big games against big teams on CBS, when you make plays, that's when they see them. So for Jackson Dart, obviously he's team first. I I get all that. But from a personal standpoint, that's when you make your money is big games against Georgia. And then there will be a lot of eyes on the A&M game, but not near as many on the Georgia game. You know, uh, bringing it on to this week, because we've we've done a lot of big picture stuff in this episode, and this is on my show, at least, it's going to be the Know Thy Enemy episode. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Vanderbilt Commodores before we get out of here. I think the major matchup, like Ken Seals will be starting a quarterback. This will be right. our third or fourth quarterback in a row. And as you might not know this, Brad, I am the president of the Ken Seals fan club. And I have to recuse myself this week because of Ole Miss. But I'll go back to being the president of the Ken Seals fan club next week. Ole Miss's defense against Vanderbilt's offense is going to be a major key. You have a situation to where Vanderbilt is pretty good at wide receiver with Will Shepard and Jalen McGowan. Ken Seals is doing a decent job of taking care of the ball. And if you look at 2019 and 2021, the last 10 times that Ole Miss has hosted Vanderbilt, they've only scored 31 points each time. Now, Ole Miss has won each game kind of in a pseudo boat race. I mean, 2021 with Matt Corral and those guys, Ole Miss only won 31 to 17. So it might get a little squirrely, but I'm of the opinion that if Ole Miss's defense performs well against Vanderbilt's offense, I don't know if Vanderbilt's going to be able to score enough points to make this game, I don't know, squirrely. I don't think so. Um, I, I think what Ole Miss is able to do on defense, they'll limit um, they'll limit Vanderbilt's offense. You know, Ray Davis leaving. Ray Davis did a lot against Ole Miss last year. Remember, Ole Miss went to the half. I think there were there were at one point it was seventeen to seven, and then Jonathan Mingo hit a big pass and Ole Miss scored to go into half. Uh, trailing 17 to 14 in Nashville. And of course they opened it up in the second half and Jonathan Mingo would finish with like a thousand receiving yards <laughs> in yeah, the second half. Uh, th- this year, I just don't know that they have that, that big time running back. That's going to force uh, Ken Seals to go to the air early. Ole did a good job of limiting Will Shepard. Will's going to get his, his catches. McLaurin's a good player. 
but defensively, Vanderbilt doesn't ha- have that normal linebacker that they always have. You know, they've really struggled uh, in the secondary. Uh, but they played Georgia pretty good, the, you know, the week before last at home. So, you know, you, you have to prepare for that. But I think Ole Miss comes out. I think they need to establish a run with Quinshawn Judkins, uh, get up a couple of scores, and then go to the air and start working on that passing attack. And, you know, the line opened up, I think, you know, at 24 and a half. I don't know where where you have it with your uh, the provider that you use, but I was looking at my provider, and, and they had it right at it, 24 and a half. So, I haven't yeah, checked. Yeah, we're, we're we're in that ballpark as well. Yeah, may, I, may have I haven't, up the point. I haven't checked it, but it's going to be roughly a four to five score game according mm-hmm. to Vegas, and and that's probably where it finishes. Vanderbilt always plays Ole Miss tough. Um, I, I think one of your podcast titles was the JP game of the week, and that that gives people you know you know talk about uh, Will is it Will Zolman? Did I get that Greg wrong? Zolman. Greg, Greg Zolman. Zolman. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got he still that gives me nightmares. Oh my gosh, that touchdown across the middle. <laughs> I think that was 98 or 99 when they lost yeah. that game. So mm-hmm. but they're they're not the players that they were. You know, mm-hmm. I was uh, you know, chatting with uh Jordan Matthews who's going to be on the call for the game and uh, we were talking about that particular game in in 2012 when Ole Miss lost to Vanderbilt. I think it was 29 to 28. It was very close. It was a one point game, mm-hmm. and Ole Miss would go on to to play in the Birmingham Bowl in 2012. That was Hugh Freeze's first year, and Jordan remembered that uh, he told me he said his hand got hit in the first half, and they had to give him a shot, and he he couldn't feel his hand. So in the second half, he had his feeling coming back. He was he was just looking for for a uh, for the number 87 Matthews the receiver that was so good, and he caught like 14 or 15 passes that night. They won the game. and I just don't think it's going to be that type of Vanderbilt team, and they're not as good as last year. So if Ole Miss comes out, night game, I I was talking with Ole Miss a little bit earlier. There are tickets remaining. I expect Vanderbilt probably brought, uh, you know, sent some tickets back. So Ole Miss fans really need to flood the stadium and and get Ole Miss past this game. And then, as as we say, the stretch run begins with A&M in Georgia and then Mississippi State. And don't think for a moment that Mississippi State's going to roll over and say, oh, our season's over. You know, we can't do anything. Let's just just, just pack it up. They're going to bring everything they've got. So Ole Miss is going to have a dogfight for the next uh, three weeks, depending on what happens with Vanderbilt. And they should they should roll. But Vanderbilt's down. And like you said, A.J. Swan still fighting injuries. And the Commodore Hour on Monday night, uh, head coach Clark Lee did point out that it would be uh, – your, your guy, Ken Seals, at quarterback uh, again this week with, you know, a questionable running attack for sure. You know, um, real quick before I, we get out of here, um, last year Clark Lee provided the blueprint of how to defend this offense. And other teams all year and into the beginning of this year have defended it the same way. Clark Lee is a good defensive mind, and he will have some stuff up his sleeve to make it hard for Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins. I, 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 I have to imagine – that something is going to be schemed up. Now, Vandy is not as good defensively as they were a year ago. They're not as good offensively as they were a year ago. But I think scheme-wise, look for Clark Lee to fool Jackson Dart at least once. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I expect it to be possibly pretty close in the first quarter, maybe even up into the first half. But I think talent just outweighs, you know, schematics to a certain degree. And that's what we saw last week. And, you know, I thought Hugh – through the kitchen sink at Ole Miss. And I thought the defense, particularly uh, Pete Golding, did a great job of defending, you know, the halfback pass, uh, a lot of the the moving, you know, the quarterback draws, the quarterback, what, what I call tacks, where they pull the either the end or the guard or maybe even the tackle in some cases. And, and I just thought they filled 
holes nicely. Uh, didn't tackle particularly well. I thought Centurion Perkins, you know, missed uh, one of the right. I think it was maybe either the Cobb or, or I think maybe it's Jarquez Hunter in the hole. It's Jarquez Hunter yeah, on, the touchdown. on the touchdown run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he's got to break down. He's got to make that tackle. But, you know, for the most part, I thought they filled gaps nicely. I think if they do that on Saturday, continue to improve on tackling. Uh, once again, uh, I'm not saying this is a scrimmage game by any stretch, but it's a great opportunity to hopefully get some players into the second half. Uh, and uh, you're you're hoping for Ole Miss. No one gets injured. You can get past this one and get ready for the stretch run. Yeah, my prediction for the game is 41 to 14 Ole Miss. What you got? Yeah, basically, I, I think they'll score another touchdown. I think it's like 48 21, 48 17. Uh, but I think a, a convincing Ole Miss win. I expect Ole Miss to score a lot because I think they're going to try some things in the second half. I think they're going to try some some running backs. I think this could be a case where we could see Jam Griffin some. We haven't seen him very much at all. But Walker I really Howard. think Ole Miss fans, yeah, Walker Howard in the second half, uh, maybe even get Spencer Sanders some work and, and kind of rest Jackson Dart if you can to get him ready, uh, to get, uh, get him off that knee as much as you can. And then – Everybody's looking at Zachary Franklin. You pointed his name out. Braylon Brown, Caden Lee, who are uh, Aiden Williams, who's some players we can see in the second half to get some good work if Ole Miss can get that commanding lead. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also, by the way, if you're listening to my show, Check out the Red and Blue Crew podcast. Check out the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. All the stuff that Brad does is absolutely fantastic and worth your time. I'm just plugging podcasts all over the place this week, Brad. Well, we have to lean on each other. Exactly. Anyway, Brad Logan, thank you very much for joining the show this week, and we'll talk again, buddy. Thank you.